I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Now, here we are, as it were, psychically starved. And always, therefore, looking for, looking, seeking, seeking, seeking. And this confused seeking is going on everywhere. We don't know what we want. Nobody knows what they want. We say, yes, we, th- we think of what we want in vague terms. Pleasure, money, wealth, love, um, fulfillment, personal development. But we don't know what we mean by all that. The person really sits down to figure out, write a long essay, 20 pages, on your idea of heaven. It'll be a sorry production. (laughs) You can see it already in medieval art, whether it depictions of heaven and hell. Hell is always much better than heaven. (laughs) Although it's uncomfortable, it's a sadomasochistic orgy. (laughs) Wowee, you know, hell is really rip-roaring. Welcome back to the Lime Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's beautiful episode, I got to have my good friend, Mr. Luke Story, on the show. Luke is a former celebrity stylist here in Hollywood. Um, He is the founder of the School of Style, which is the nation's most prominent fashion school for stylists. Um, He's been, I feel like you can just name the Hollywood celebrity, and he has uh, styled those folks. Uh, Really, really interesting fella. I really enjoyed this conversation getting into some of the kind of interesting components of how our clothing affects the way that we feel even at a deeper physiological level things like colors things like um, just our appearance in general Um, concept of peacocking affecting testosterone levels another thing for men is just dude like it goes back to hiring a tailor is your clothing has to fit it's got to fit right and a lot of guys don't understand tailoring and when something fits and when it doesn't fit so you could buy like a great pair of jeans that would look good on one person but the next person has no ass or has a big ass or whatever and they just don't look good so the tailoring is really really important Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find the self-care kit and you will find... 10% off on any of your mushroom needs through Four Sigmatic. Uh, Four Sigmatic is a really radical, innovative company uh, that creates these beautiful, delicious blends of teas and coffees alongside with various different therapeutic medicinal mushrooms from cordyceps to lion's mane to shiitake to uh, all the good stuff. Really, really excellent, excellent product. I utilize, I just finished drinking some reishi tea actually. so utilize them every day. Tim Ferriss is getting down on that stuff. Sean Stevenson, all sorts of great people. So I hope you guys enjoy uh, and get yourself 10% off on any Four Sigmatic purchases at foursigmatic.com slash align. F-U-R Sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash align. Utilize that coupon code align for 10% off. 
Um, I don't have any quotes for you today. We're just going to jump, jump into this podcast. Um, thank you so much for leaving reviews. So greatly appreciate that on iTunes. Um, next couple people that leave reviews on there, I will read them aloud on the show. Um, really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much for, um, utilizing the affiliate link for Amazon on the website. That is so, so helpful. Um, it's a big part of the, the what runs this podcast. So anytime that you are you or your friends are buying any crap off of the Amazon gizmo, just jump on to aligntherapy.com on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Uh, just click on that link, bookmark that, and for the rest of your days, whenever you make a purchase, it takes 7% out of the Amazon and puts that into the Line Podcast Foundation. So if you pre- appreciate the show, we appreciate your support. I think that might be sufficient. I'm going to be heading out to Paleo FX. I'm leaving in a couple days. So um, hopefully see you guys out there. I'll be teaching two workshops around integrating functional movement into our daily lives. And uh, so I'll post up lots of pictures and stuff like that on Instagram and all those places. So you can check that out at Align Podcast and uh, on all the social media. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys absolutely enjoy this show and be sure to jump over to um, the Lifestylist podcast. That is Luke's podcast that we did this in two parts. So if you jump over to that after, you will hear the second part of this, which we go more into movement and uh, Luke grilling me on the other end. So Hope you guys enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning in. And here we go. Back to the show. You, one of the things that I noticed that you pointed out um, in relation to, to me that maybe I intentionally like put more thought into what I wore today because of the conversation and such. Um, but was the standout of, in this example, you pointed out I have a, like a bright white watch, right? And then the rest is like earth tones and all that stuff. So there's something to create some degree of dichotomy, some degree of like contrast. You know, and that's like one of the things I was reading about is like wearing like flashy shoes on your like tuxedo or something like that. All of a sudden gives you this like peacocking like, wow, like, yeah, bitch, like I can wear these, you know, and it doesn't really matter, you know, as opposed to being like the cardboard cutout person. that's like I just do as I'm told, you know, is that something that you're thinking about as far as styling people or anything or is that am I misspeaking? Well, no, you have. When you're putting together pieces of clothing, you have what are called staple pieces or anchor pieces. So like Mm. for me, I mean, this is embarrassing to say because it's probably not that sanitary, but these are my top shop or top man black stretchy skinny jeans. Mm -hmm. And I literally wear these every day. Dude, I'm the same. I have one pair. I have two pairs of pants. I'm sorry if (laughs) anyone thinks that's gross. It probably kind of is. But as we discussed earlier on my show, I'm not afraid of germs. If they start to smell, you know, I'll deal with it. But Obviously, I wash them and I wear other jeans, but these Sometimes. are like my staples. So you have a piece that's like your favorite blue jeans or, you know, like I have a great black um, leather moto, a motorcycle jacket. And so you have like your staple pieces that don't really um, go out of season. They don't really go out of style. Like when is a black motorcycle jacket going to suck? Never. Yeah. I was wearing one in 1986, basically wearing the same damn one. I should have just saved the one from back then. I've probably been through 15 of them as I am in 2017. So that would be an anchor piece that's sort of nondescript, not trendy, not seasonal, a staple piece. For a woman, it would be like uh, maybe a great black pencil skirt, like an expensive pencil skirt or something that's, um, or for a woman, even some great 
you know, black skinny jeans that just fit her body just right. There's those pieces that you kind of wear all the time that are nondescript. And those are sort of the building blocks of an outfit. Then you have something that's like a flash piece or a trendy piece like your watch or a little peacocking flare, something that gives your look a little bit of personality which most of the time is going to be an accessory. Hmm. Like I have a cool black fedora and it just hangs at, at my steps on the way out and I have a big mirror there. So I might dress in a pretty plain look one day and then I, I look at that fedora on the way out. It has two little matchsticks and the hat band. It, you know, it's cool. It's, it's got a little vibe to it. And I'll throw that on. It's like, oh, shit. Now I look like a really cool guy where I'm just wearing jeans and a T-shirt before I threw that hat on. Yeah. So for you, it might be the watch. So I definitely think that's a great way to kind of add a little bit of your personality to an otherwise sort of subtle, plain look. Mm. Are there any staple takeaways that you could suggest for people as far as like, yeah, if you do this, this is going to, you know, whatever, step up your game. Is there something that's like, maybe I should run down and grab a fill in the blank? Well, in terms of like very specific pieces, it. A, of course, obviously, there's a huge difference if you're a man or a woman, like where you want to spend your money, you know, is the thing like the cost per wear. So it's going to be different for a man or a woman, like for a guy. Let me just cover some staple pieces. If you're going to go drop a couple grand and like do a nice, you know, uh, revamp of your closet. Um, great jeans, like really expensive jeans. As I said, these are top shop. They're not like high quality or expensive, but they just fit really well. Mm. Um, but like some really nice dark denim jeans for a guy. I can only wear stretch jeans. You're probably the same way. I'm not oh, yeah. wearing shit that's stiff, but a lot of guys can. I just need to be able to move. Yep. These are basically like yoga pants. <laughs> they don't, they look like jeans, but they're super stretchy because I just have to be able to move. But, um, you know, really nice, expensive pair of jeans. Uh, another thing for a guy that's important is you have to have like at least one really expensive, well-tailored black or navy blazer. Hmm. Not necessarily a suit, but just, dude, having like a fitted, well-tailored blazer can take jeans and a t-shirt to another level. <laughs> um, having one non-trendy sort of staple classic leather jacket for a guy, probably black in most cases, um, is something you want to spend money on. Uh, for women, I mean, it has a lot to do with the accessories, the shoes and the handbag. Like a $2,500 handbag takes a woman's relatively plain outfit from, you know, <laughs> like just an everyday girl to like, oh shit, who's that? When you walk in the room, and that's why women will spend five grand on a Chanel bag or whatever, because she walks in, you're like, I don't know, she looks pretty plain, but damn, look at that bag. Yeah. So shoes and handbags and accessories, um, jewelry, I think, are something that women typically use to kind of like elevate an outfit quickly in terms of accessories. But for guys, it's much more subtle. You know, I'm I've never been hugely into like a lot of jewelry and accessories on men. I think like like I said, a great pair of jeans, a really cool fitted blazer, a leather jacket, something that steps up an ordinarily plain outfit or even a fedora or something like that, like a cool hat if you can pull it off. Yeah. But again, you have to go back to the archetype. You know, it's like, hmm. I don't know, me, like say I take someone like Johnny Depp. He always wears those really cool hats and a lot of jewelry and, you know, great faded jeans and a T-shirt. I could probably wear what he's wearing and pull it off. Just me. I don't know if you could. You could probably wear the Ryan Gosling getup and look super dope. And if I put that on, I would look juvenile or like I was trying too hard. Mm. So it's like you kind of have to find your spirit animal and look at what they do to elevate an outfit by adding a cool accessory or like a peacocking piece or something like that. It's it's like a matter of what you can pull off without looking pretentious or ingenuous. I 
I feel like I'm asking you like bullet point questions, which I don't hardly ever do, but there are some things that I'm like, it's great. Really I curious love it. About this is good. This. Yeah. Dude, I never talk about this stuff. <laughs> usually when I go on podcasts, it's like, so what supplements are you taking? No. And you know, what kind of meditation you do? I talk about that shit I'm all like, the time. I'm like, cool. I want to know about style dog. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I love it, dude. I love it. Yeah. So, but so what about, cause this I know, and now, you know, I think I'm becoming a little bit more aware of these things. I still know for sure. I'm committing all sorts of fashion errors on a very regular basis. I'm sure it's happening right now. Is there something that you witness? You know, so we talked about like movement cues and stuff like that. Like I see stuff like your knees, your feet. Like I, I can't not see it. What can't you not see? Oh, okay. So like faux pas? Yeah. Okay. Like what's all over the place? Uh, I think one of mine is really label heavy douchey sunglasses Mm. like sunglasses that have like a giant name on the side always read a little bit night at the roxbury to me i don't know if you remember that movie dating myself a little bit but it's like like stuff that has giant labels on it i don't like like i won't buy anything that has a big i don't care if it's prada givenchy gucci saint laurent whatever if it's like too noticeable it just feels like I have no self-worth. I want you to like me because I have enough money to buy this thing. It's like it's like they're you're sponsoring them without any money. It's weird. So from I think <laughs> I, yeah, so not just the sunglasses, but I think stuff with like hugely prominent labels. Now if you're a woman and like you you got it like that where you can have like an Hermès bag or a Chanel bag or something like hey, that's like there's you have license to do that. Like everyone knows like the girl walks in with a Chanel bag, you're like, "Okay, Cool. Mm. Someone had five grand to buy that bag. Right. Cool. Good for you. It's like it's a status symbol in that way. It doesn't come off as douchey because it's just standard. But I think labels on stuff. Another thing for men is just, dude, like it goes back to hiring a tailor is your clothing has to fit. It's got to fit right. And a lot of guys don't understand tailoring and when something fits and when it doesn't fit so you could buy like a great pair of jeans that would look good on one person but the next person has no ass or has a big ass or whatever and they just don't look good so the tailoring is really really important Mm. um let me see what else for guys another big one is wearing really cheap shoes like if and this is you know i don't want to sound elitist or whatever but if you're rolling around in like sketchers and you're 40 years old that doesn't really work it's like if you're going to spend money on something go go to barney's buy some lawn vaughn like 700 dollars sneakers and wear them on special occasions when you want to look good but still be casual Mm. so it's like i think really cheap footwear on a regular basis sucks coming from a guy who's about to order some vibram five finger shoes and literally wear them around (laughs) hollywood and sometimes i wear my uggs like uh, my black they're at least they're black they look kind of rock and roll but today i went to yoga you're okay and i wore my um uggs slippers literally out in public and i'm just like whatever i couldn't deal with it today and i just had to do it but um yeah i think labels and just stuff that's obviously very garish and ostentatious and is like sending this broadcasting this message of look at me look at me with a sense of desperation is generally a no-go like i'd say being more subdued is probably the classier move generally speaking mm-hmm. yeah so that's the same thing with body language right oh, you know, okay. so, so if you're posturing right that would be the, the the chanel or like the whatever the big you know whatever nike across your chest or something like that right. where it's like look at me, I'm big, I'm strong, you know, I can beat you up, whatever it is, I'm proud, 
you know, and then there's the other end, which is kind of like folding forward into that defeated position. That's kind of like, don't look at me. You know, I just have my sweats on. I have my sunglasses. Like, don't look, you know, it's, it's a really interesting thing how where I find some intrigue there is the dance between that, you know. So I found, you know, for like a, a silly example, if I'm playing volleyball, right, if I'm playing volleyball and I have like I'm wearing like some shorts that like for whatever reason, I feel like they make me look better <laughs> like they've made me look stronger or something like that i play better volleyball you know i'll put my hat on backwards like the sylvester stallone before he you know does his arm wrestling and whatever movie that was do you know the movie I'm no, talking I about? no i don't oh dog you gotta check that movie out over the top oh okay no, you haven't I seen over the top no, i haven't oh man oh man i'm like dating I myself think, i just think of even... rocky and rambo like those are the <laughs> only associations i have with them if something happened after that, I'm totally in the dark. But dude, so what happens when you, you know, so in that situation, he goes into the arm wrestling match and he has this tradition. He kind of anchors himself in like an NLP term in, I, I, I rotate my hat backwards and I stomp my elbow on the table. You know, I do all these traditions kind of like a ceremony that all of a sudden puts me into this state to, you know, F, 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 F stuff up. Right. And it's like that similar thing. We do, I think it's happening the way that we dress, right? I don't know. Do you ever notice anything like like performance enhancement along style? Or is that like a crazy, crazy question? No, I think there's a lot to that. Sometimes, even though I work from home and you're you're in it right now, um, doing my podcast, no one, no guests coming over. Maybe I'm just recording my promos or doing whatever I'm doing, answering emails, working on a project. Sometimes I'll actually make myself dress really nice and I'll yeah. like put myself together to sit alone in my office and work yeah. because I feel like a fucking boss mm -hmm. when I look cool. It's less comfortable to have like tight skinny jeans on when I could have some shorts or some yoga sweats or whatever, mm. but I just feel better. Uh, if I'm, I mean, obviously if you think about it in terms of dating, whether it be with your wife, girlfriend, or a new potential mate of, of some kind, uh, you're going to come across and just feel so much more confident if you go out on a date looking your best and be well-groomed and have a great haircut and freshly bathed and all that stuff. Then you are just like, rolling straight from work and not kind of, you know, resetting yourself. Yeah. When I do, um, I do a lot of teaching and public speaking at school of style. And it's like, talk about like a test of your, your ego. I've been doing this for, you know, almost nine years now. And our classes are 99% female mm -hmm. and the average age is 25 years old. So here's a guy like, you know, most people are scared of public speaking. If you take your average 30, 40 year old guy and be like, cool, you want to try some public speaking? Here's, you know, a class of 50, you know, beautiful young women to go talk in front of. It's like, that's the scariest probably demographic you could do because, you know, you're more afraid of being judged by them and all that stuff, I, I think. Mm. Uh, maybe, I don't know, probably addressing a room full of entrepreneurs for me would be scary at this point. But there was a time it was like, God, all these girls are going to think I'm lame and I'm going to sound stupid and look dumb. And I discovered early on that when I walk out and address that class of 50 young people, they're looking to me to be the expert and guide them in their career that dude, I better be wearing like a dope blazer and some really nice shoes and like have my shit together or I'm going to lack the confidence when I go out there. Do you have any kind of pre-public speaking traditions that you do that have helped you to kind of like get the clothes to fit in the, the state? Uh, I absolutely do. I do a lot of stretching. I yeah. do a lot of breathing exercises. Um, if I'm at home before I go, I'll jump on my rebounder. 
I'll go to cryotherapy. I'll do an ice bath. I'll do all kinds of different Wim Hof breathing, um, all that kind of stuff just the day of, but in, in immediate preparation before I go out and like record a podcast or do teaching or public speaking or something like that, I'll absolutely do maybe two or three minutes of, uh, what's Kundalini move called ego eradicator, mm. which I don't like that word. I call it like ego modifier. Cause you can't get rid of your ego. That's you no. drive yourself fucking crazy. That'd be a bummer. It's just a well. matter of, yeah. I mean, you <laughs> yeah. need it to survive. Where to go? <laughs> You need a little ego to survive, you know, but um, just not having it run me so I don't go out there and feel insecure and less than and, you know, feel like I'm being judged or judging myself. Uh, but that's the breath of fire, man, with your arms up in the air and just splaying yourself out like a pissed off grizzly bear. And mm. I do that for two or three minutes, just <laughs> and I do a Satnam mantra and I focus my energy on my third eye. Then I hold in as long as I can tense up, let it out, do a few of those. And then I really watch my body language when I go out there and keep my, you know, my my pelvis uh, locked and my knees locked, my legs firm. When I do my first address, like, hey, you guys, welcome to School of Style or whatever I'm doing. Really, my body language has a lot to do with it, too. And yeah. keeping that sort of we were talking about before on my show, that hollow body sort of like mm, strength core position. I use that and the clothes I'm wearing. It's just like one kind of package deal. So I go out and. And that definitely helps me. Yeah. Um, but something I do, I, I notice is like some of the classes I teach are nine days, right? And so the first day, like I have my dopest shit on, my body language is more on point. Then as I feel more comfortable with that group of students, day three, four, five out of the nine day class, like I'm wearing my like gym shoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I loosen up the, um, the uh, you know, the wardrobe a bit as I feel more comfortable and I've already in a sense won them over yeah, and gained their it. trust. Then I kind of let it out just because I don't want to be uncomfortable physically. And that's, you know, that's really the bitch too coming from, you know, from the movement standpoint is like, clothing that looks the best on most human bodies is clothing that's really tight and well tailored. Right. So that you can really see the silhouette of the body. And as we talked about using shapes and volume of fabric to create uh, less or more where needed. Right. But that clothing is the most uncomfortable, like really loose, drapey, stretchy clothing is the most comfortable. So that's always the challenge is like how to dress and look well put together, but still be able to have fluidity of movement and that's something i struggle with a lot and thankfully designers are coming becoming aware of that there's something called i forget the name of it but it's like really high fashion athletic wear hmm. that they're starting to kind of pop up here and there over the industry i think yeah which i'm like please god like more stretchy stuff that's tight yeah that doesn't look like i'm wearing a leotard or something so yeah. we can look forward to more of that because i think more people want to look put together but still you know, have some freedom to move their body. Yeah, that's my uh, my my official rule with pants is if I blow out my pants, I take that as like, congratulations. <laughs> You're expanding right, right. your range of motion. That's good. That's pretty good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you happily retire those pants and get some stretch your pants, dog. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> you did it. You're, 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 you're molting. You're growing in your body. Yeah. Well, dude, you know, it's funny since I, I think I've been since I've been out directly out of the fashion industry, because when you're a stylist, dude, you can't show up looking like a hot mess. I mean, you got to look dope when you're showing up to dress a 
platinum selling band for their music video you can't be like dude 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 i just came from yoga like right. no i mean you got to walk in looking cooler than them mm. to kind of gain their trust so they're like oh shit i'm gonna listen to you you know mm. but um that particular job was very it's very labor intensive like you're working your ass off hauling boxes and bags of clothes and garment racks i mean you're you're, you're like it's like moving apartments but you're just moving clothes to and from different places all day so um toward the end i got really burned out on looking cool because it was so uncomfortable you know so it's like totally. yeah it's something i'm I'm still kind of working on but there's things i used to wear like skinny jeans that aren't stretchy i have a couple and i'm like oh i'm gonna wear these tonight i put them on i'm like oh. nope i don't give a shit how cool i look i am not wearing like tight pants that don't i can't move in it's yeah. not gonna happen yeah the only benefit of that would probably be lowering your potential of impregnating someone <laughs> yeah exactly, <laughs> I exactly. Would say yeah. Like if you want testosterone reduction, reduction. that's great yeah. yeah i'm like way too murfed out i should get some tight stretchy pants that duct tape my testicles to the side of my leg <laughs> dude yeah not not happening <laughs> yeah um yeah, man. So one of the interesting things that uh, we have have ad nauseum been bringing up for whatever reason is the Kundalini stuff. And something that I find a bit fascinating around Kundalini is the correlation between um, X or current uh, drug addicts or users. That's like kind of a crummy word, drug addicts. It kind of feels like ugly to say. But um, that... You know, so I'm pretty much thinking of Russell Brand, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Russell used to study at Nine Treasures Yoga for for a while when I started out around five, six years ago. He is that where you're? Lot. Is that the same place that you're going? Or uh huh. Yeah, the teacher's okay. name is Tage Kalsa. I've interviewed her on my show. Cool. And she's great, and um, she's been doing Kundalini Yoga for thirty years. You know, studied yeah. with Yogi Bhajan, and Russell used to come to her studio, and then I think he moved to the back to the UK or something. And he he just disappeared, but yeah, yeah. What do you think that is? Because Kundalini is a really interesting breed, you know, where you're going into some of these states where it's almost like painful and then you kind of surpass that pain and it becomes kind of pleasurable in an interesting way. And it seems like there's these strange back road correlations to, Dude, to drug use in a weird way. Kundalini yoga straight up gets you high. Yeah, right. You know, it's you're playing with your body's own drug uh, archive you know? <laughs> I mean you're manipulating your oxygen levels you're playing with your neurotransmitters you're moving a lot of stuff around just with the sound of the mantras with the movements of the kriyas the combination of um, you know different hand movements bodily movements combined with singing the mantras or mentally singing them with the breath in and out using your nose different nostrils mouth in mouth out i mean just all the thousands of variations to that movement and breathing pattern you're really really stirring up the energy you know and there's a reason why this this branch of yoga which is known you know widely as like the the mother of all yoga kundalini yoga why it was suppressed and kept only to the higher class in the caste system in India was because it's so powerful and the powers that be did not want the peasants to get a hold of it. I mean, this is legit. Mm. Yogi Bhajan, the guy who brought Kundalini Yoga to America, thought, you know what? This is bullshit. And he was like, there was a curse on his life if he was ever to teach this to the peasants and, you know, share it with the world. And he came to America and was like, all these hippies are coming off drugs. This is what I've learned from people like Guru Singh and Tage and the people that were there in the 60s with him. Yeah. 
And there's all these burned out kids, you know, um, coming back from Woodstock and Haight-Ashbury. And it was like um, late 60s and they were fried out from LSD and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, these people are looking for God and Kundalini yoga is a way to God without drugs. Mm. And so he used that technology despite the people that taught him and, you know, the people within the Sikh community and all this other stuff in India disallowing that and he came here and was like you know what fuck it i'm doing my thing i'm gonna help these kids you know mm. and so he amassed all these devotees and what was cool about it was he always said um i'm not here to uh what is he like i'm not here to be a teacher i forget the quote but i'm here to create teachers you know so it wasn't yeah. like, he was like don't follow me I'm just a dude, follow the yoga, but I'm going to show you the yoga and these traditions that are thousands of years old, which probably came literally out of prehistoric people, indigenous people living in the caves. And then the rich class the in the caste system, you know, found these yogic masters in these caves. This is just my weird interpretation of it. I don't know if this is true, but based on what I've been able to piece together, started assembling these systems, keeping it from the unlearned folk, right? Keeping it for themselves, gaining in power personally and through wealth and all that stuff. And then this guy took that technology and came here and dropped it. And mm. so I think why it probably appealed so much then to drug addicts and alcoholics and still does for people like me that are in recovery from that is that it's a natural high, man. It's free. It's free. You know, when I first started doing Wim Hof breathing, I was like, uh, this is Kundalini yoga guys. Yeah, exactly. you, you might not know that, but we do this shit every day in class, you know? And you know, I love Wim Hof and I love the ice baths and the whole thing. And I do like the technically the Wim Hof breathing all the time. I just yeah. kind of picked it up again. It's fantastic. But I think what people that do drugs like me coming from my subjective experience are looking for is we're looking for a way to transcend the human limiting animal egoic state you know mm. when you smoke weed you transcend normal life you smoke crack you transcend your day-to-day -day operating system you take lsd dmt psychedelic mushrooms ecstasy getting high is to me in my experience and estimation is not really getting high but rather blocking the lower states of consciousness mm -hmm. So if I'm yeah. if I had a fight with my girlfriend and I'm fucking jealous and pissed off and I'm going to drink to get high on the alcohol, I'm actually just suppressing the anger and the jealousy and the misery that I'm experiencing as a result of that relationship and that conflict. And that's why when the alcohol wears off, it comes right back. Yeah, you didn't it didn't go away. I didn't treat that dis-ease or that discomfort. I suppressed the negative and that just allows our natural state to be there, which is a state of elation and a state of bliss. It's like the natural human condition, or at least part of it on the spectrum. So it's like Kundalini yoga, I think, appeals to people like me because you're getting high without suppressing your lower nature. You're actually facing it through the different dark nights of the soul that you go through and all the introspection that you're doing. And you're cultivating and dispelling the negative energy within your psyche and even just your physical body biologically to achieve the natural state of bliss that's mm. inherently ours for the taking. So it's like, and there's nothing, I don't have anything against drugs or like, oh, if you smoke weed, like you're faking it. But I really don't, I'm not interested in ayahuasca and all that shit. It's like, to me, what's appealing about this is that you don't come down. 
Like you can go take an ayahuasca trip and probably have a really profound experience. And a lot of people do. I'm sure it's very real and awesome. I haven't personally done it uh, just because <laughs> I can't afford to take a risk like that. But I don't want to come down and I, I don't want to suppress something within me. I'm like, I personally like accessing God or accessing the spiritual realm in a way that doesn't require any outside influence. And that's just my own you know, personal preference, having been someone that did drugs for literally half my life to mm. to achieve that state of connection or union with my higher self or with God or whatever you want to call it to get high. So Kundalini Yoga is like you're getting high on your own supply. It's like all you need is oxygen, <laughs> yeah. you know, really. And then your body's own biochemical, biomechanical, bioelectrical reactions based on these different movements and sounds and breathing. It's, it's just fucking fantastic. I just I never get bored of it. And um, and I really think that it it does elevate your consciousness over a longer period of time without the side effects inherent to kind of the psychedelic or drug route again not against any of that i've done more drugs than most people i've ever met <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so it's like it's not like a, a judgment thing but it's like fuck it's just it's so much more profound and lasting when achieved through diligence and hard work it's not a cheat like i used to take a lot of acid and you take a tab of acid and you can get to god pretty quick but you didn't earn it you see what I'm saying? It's like using meditation, spiritual techniques of transcendence. I have to pee really bad. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hold on. It's okay. Go ahead. I'll know. Ex I'll know exactly where we um, where we left off, and your editor can fix it. Dude, Dude. <laughs> you talking about it made me. <laughs> you had made me had to go. I was like, I was. Like, He's gonna finish. I know it. <laughs> Oh, dude, I was like sweating. I was like picking up on your body language. I was like, shit, I better wrap up at this point. I think I, I think he really wants to say something. No, you didn't get too long at all. Well, we did. We are high on drugs. We're high on caffeine. Yeah, right. Okay, so I want to pick it back up. <laughs> yeah, please. Editor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put it together. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, for example, I've done a lot of LSD in my time. When I was younger, I mean, I used to drop acid and just... Dude, I used to live in Aspen, and I'd go to concerts in Denver, and we would drop acid just to stay awake, to drive over the Continental Divide, yeah. um, just to get to the show and get back. We would actually use it kind of as an amphetamine, you know? But we'd be tripping balls driving on black ice or snow, like, for a four- or five-hour drive, you know? But um, the thing about that is, for me, it's like... I was having some sort of God experience or spiritual experience, right? But it was a facsimile. It was it was a simulation of what was possible. Again, because I was just, I had anxiety or nervousness or fear, or insecurities or anger or shame or some of those lower negative emotional states. And what the LSD was doing was just suppressing those energy fields so that my radiant body or radiant self or higher self could emerge and actually experience the world in a way that was devoid of those negative emotions and energy fields. Yeah. But then the fucking acid wears off. You come down and you're the same miserable prick that you were before you took it. You know, I never, it never lasts. And if you study the work of Ram Das, you know, the guy who has more psychedelic experiences than anyone on the planet, in the end, his final analysis has been... It was all fun and I got a glimpse, but once the glimpse is over, you still have to come back in your body and do the real work. And to me, something like Kundalini Yoga or TM or Vedic meditation, which I practice, 
is like that's karmically earned enlightenment. Hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with taking a shortcut, but it's like I think you still have to end up coming back and fucking earning that shit by really facing the shadow self in a very real way. And, you know, man, I've been doing all this stuff 20 years. I've been sober and I've been finding all these natural highs and all this personal development stuff. Dude, I recently found, you know, aspects of myself that were so gross, like just, I don't want to say gross is the right word, but just insecurities and how inferior and less than I still feel. And like, I still have like really shitty self-esteem in many ways and experience jealousy and possessiveness and all these weird things that I used to use drugs to suppress or get rid of. And now since I'm a sober guy, I don't have the opportunity to like pat that stuff down and it just comes up. And I need to breathe through it or pray through it or go to a class or go to therapy or whatever in order to really face it in a brutally real way. And it's very uncomfortable because I don't have any like escapes anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? Fucking eat a pint of Haagen-Dazs when you're sober? You got nothing. You got sex, porn, sugar, nicotine, caffeine, shopping. I think you're pretty much toast. Like all the methods that I used to use to run from reality are kind of like they've all bled out and they're done. So now it's like doing things like Kundalini yoga is not an escape. It's actually like going right into the fire. Like you used a quote earlier. Um, Joe Campbell. Joe yeah. Campbell. What was that quote you said? I'm paraphrasing, but going into the fire to pull out the treasure. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I'm all about like just diving into the discomfort in order to achieve some level of freedom and peace which is scary as shit, but the payoff is worth it. Yeah. So my experience with like feeling my own fire is, um, kind of the, so I, I, in the other end, we kind of referenced like last winter I was, I was all over the place, but one of the places I remember being exceptionally lonely, loneliness is a reoccurring factor in my existence today. Me too, man. Yeah. And, and, um, hence why, you know, I have a podcast probably hence why I reach out and teach workshops, hence why I'm kind of, you know, focusing on creating this community around movement tribe around fucking something you know i think really what it is is i'm yearning for family and i'm yearning for connection and i and i want to be around like-minded people and share something you know but anyway that's a side tangent but you know so one of the things that i i I experienced was this really really deep tangible loneliness type sensation and what i found to be helpful when i experienced those things is uh cannabis you know, and, and what's, what's been helpful with it is, you know, something that you could do is you could eat, you know, or you could jerk off or you could, you know, fill in the blank thing, some type of like little like sensory, you know, blip, you know, like, oh, there we go. I'm forgetting about that for a second. And then you're like, oh, now I feel much, much worse. Oh God. Now I have all this sugar and, you know, whatever, jism. <laughs> you know, it's just like all the things, it just gets worse. But what I found is using cannabis just as an example um, but it could be, you know, all sorts of different like psychoactive type type supplements. Um, it's like a reframe, you know, and so that's the reason I valued it is it's just enough to reframe so that I can gather myself and then I can reevaluate and I can really witness like, wow, you know what, Aaron, like you actually are a lucky mofo, you know, oh, wow, you actually, you know what, like, yeah, this stuff kind of, kind of isn't that great, but like, you know, keep driving in this direction. I really feel like this is, you know, and it just... It's just like, it's honestly like calling up a mentor on the phone in my, in my experience. I'm like, Hey mentor, you know, cannabis or Hey mentor psilocybin, whatever it is. Like I have some questions. I don't want to sit down with you for a little bit, 
Is that? Yeah, I, t- I totally get that. You know, I think with, I think it depends on with, with the drug piece and psychedelics and cannabis and ayahuasca and, and, you know, DMT, all this kind of stuff that has become increasingly popular with people who are earnest spiritual seekers. I think a lot of it has to do with motive and your personality type. Mm. So for me, I mean, I like all of us, I mean, every man's burden is the heaviest, right? But I had a lot of trauma when I was a kid. I had a very dysfunctional family. I suffered from many forms of abuse and just was fucked up. Mm. So for me, my early introduction to drug was just like, <laughs> dude, if, if, if cannabis didn't exist, I'm, and I'm not being dramatic. I'm pretty sure I would have killed myself yeah, when I was a dude, kid. Totally you know, like I had to have some kind of medication. So my motive was always purely to escape from pain, shame, trauma, loneliness. I mean, we we're talking about that before my whole life, including up to today. I've definitely suffered from this existential feeling of separation and loneliness, you mm. know. Mm. And so even when I was taking acid, it was like. I'm going to see fucking Motley Crue at a concert. I'm taking acid to like party and have some sort of kind of spiritual experience, but it wasn't an exploration or like you're describing to get a different perspective. So I think for someone who's relatively functional, happy, is spiritually curious, wants to have an out of body experience, wants to have a perspective that's different than their, the interior of your own mind, Mm. you know, that I think drugs like that are a very useful tool. It's just like for a guy like me, I never used them for that. I only use them to mask and suppress and repress pain. And so as soon as the drug wears off, pain back. Yeah. Whereas like if you're like a healthy minded, integrated human being, it seems to me just a lot more logical that you could use a drug like cannabis to, as you said, look at things from a different perspective. Maybe you're you're 1000 feet up above a relationship problem you're having and you might not smoke weed to get away from it, but you smoke weed to look at it from 10,000 feet to go into, or maybe you're, yeah, maybe you're looking from over here and you want to look from over here. Right. So it's like, I definitely see the validity in that for sure. It's just was never my experience for me. It's like, I just got darker and darker and darker. Mm. And then what happened for me is when I got sober, and stop using those coping mechanisms, all the shit that I'd suppressed my whole life, man, the sexual abuse, the trauma, the violence, the crime, everything that I had been around and experienced was all just like, right thrown in my face. And then there I am left with like, hmm, what, what's, what can I do legally still? Haagen-Dazs, Marlboro's, (laughs) porn, you know, I mean, it's like, fuck, how can you escape from that stuff? And that's where the real spiritual work has come for me. It's just, it's not like I'm trying to be a monk or like, oh, I'm above taking psychedelics to deal with my problems. It's like, I just lost my right to do them because I would have ended up in prison or a mental hospital or worse, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's like a gift and a curse in, in my, from my perspective to have to be forced to face these things head on just sitting in the pain and discomfort sometimes. And I do this a lot. Like sometimes I just sit there and I'll feel like I've gone through a painful experience and I'll feel tears coming on and I'll just go into it, man. Mm. And just fully express whatever those feelings or emotions are rather than consciously or unconsciously suppressing or repressing them in order to work through them. Because I've learned by now that shit's coming out eventually. So fight with the girlfriend, I stuff it down with Netflix or whatever my drug of choice is. 
Um, then I'm in traffic and someone cuts me off and I'm, I'm out of the car with my fucking um, golf club ready to kill someone. I'm going to go to prison over that shit right. because I wasn't willing just to sit there and look at my insecurities and, and cry that out or the shame or childhood trauma or whatever it was. It's like I just have to face shit full on now in order for me to evolve. And it's, it's like I always say, if someone's if you're serious about a spiritual path, like get ready for a lot of pain, man. Totally. Because this is not unicorns and rainbows and fairy dust. And I do yoga and it's all about bliss and green juice. That's fucking bullshit. It's, it's in order to overcome my shadow self, I've got to face it continually. And there's things every day I see within myself and I'm just like, oh man, shit. I still have resentment or judgment of myself or others or I'm still living in anxiety or whatever these lower energy fields or states of emotion are there's always more work to do mm. and it gets tiring and painful because you have these breakthroughs and you feel the sense of freedom and bliss and, and um, you, you're free of your mind and that, that chatter and that repetitive thinking for a few hours or a few days, or even sometimes a couple years, just really living as a free person, like in some sub sub sector of enlightenment. And then you enter in a relationship or you go visit your family or you lose your apartment or your position at work and like poof, you're brought back to ground zero and totally. like you've never fucking learned a thing. Yep. I mean, that happened to me recently. And I'm like looking in the mirror going, seriously, I used to be really happy. <laughs> you know <laughs> what happened? Yeah. And what happened is as I expand, imagine yourself in a room and you're, you're spiritually evolving and expanding and as your body, so to speak, gets bigger, you start hitting the walls. Yep. And it's necessary to break those walls down to further expand. But when you're hitting those walls, it's fucking painful. Mm. And then you enter, I use the same analogy or similar analogy, and I, I describe it as like stadiums, you know, or rooms or whatever, you know. And so you get into, eventually you get into like the stadium, but you're still inside walls. You know, it's just that each time you expand, it's like it's this continual state of confusion you know? <laughs> and disarray and, you know, all the things. It's like we think that we get to this point of like enlightenment or spiritual fucking whatever, you know, and that's when you see people wearing like, you know, I heart consciousness or hashtag, you know, Savasana or whatever T-shirts. What they're doing is they're trying to reaffirm that for themselves because they're not that, but they want that. You know, and that's why it's annoying, you know, because, you, 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 know, you know, you see you see those people and it's like uh, usually the people that are trying the hard. It's like the Chanel $5,000 bag. Eventually you get to like Steve Jobs or Zuckerberg status where you're like, dude, back to the sweats. It's a similar concept with like spirituality. That's my definition of success. Like, can you wear sweats every day and get away with it? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is I mean, this is it's something I, you know, it's like there's a fine line between coming from a position of ego and like clowning on people who are like trying to be spiritual, but are whack and fake at it. Um, but there is something to be said for observing people on the path that are doing the spiritual bypass route of mm -hmm. like, you know, oming on Instagram and totally yoga poses on the top of a mountain and all that. And you're like, really? But you're 23. Like, you know, it's like, have you really gone through the shit yet? You yeah. know, and you know, it's coming. But what I always like to think is like, God, what a great trend to have like namaste t-shirts. It's like, yeah. dude, how much cooler is that than like, oh, look at my new butt implants or whatever kind of more superficial 
display one could have about trying to fit in or find their tribe or exclaim their worth by their slogan or the meme that they're expressing. It's like, man, I, I want, I want more people to be fake Instagram meditating or whatever. It's like, cool. What a great trend for humanity to be working toward, or even, you know, being vegan, which I've tried, you know, as a vegetarian for 10 years and it didn't really work for me, but when I, you know, I interviewed Russell Brand yesterday and he's an ardent vegan. He's been a vegan since like 99. It really works for him. And mm. like the message he's sharing in the world is so fantastic because it's like, let's stop eating factory farm animals and stop abusing the planet. It's like, well, great message. It's really good. Yeah. So I might not necessarily like agree with every part of that tenant, right? but shit, it's a lot better than like, yo, Bitches and hoes make money like early rap music. It's like, I never liked that message because it's just like, I'm better than you. I'll kick your ass. I got a nicer car and but more is it, gold. Is it's it like, different though, really though? Well, you maybe know? not. There's Alan, Alan Watts has a nice thing where he says like uh, something along the lines of, of everyone's playing the same game. And the game is my game's more interesting than your game. Right. You know, so it's like, well, I do Shavasana and I do Kundalini and I, you know, am really awesome because I have, you know, fill in the blank, all these things that make me awesome, you know, and then somebody else is like, bitch, I don't give an F about any of that. Like I have a gun, (laughs) you know, I have huge rims, whatever. And then the other person's like, dude, I have fried chicken. Like this is my game's legit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) I guess, I guess that that's true. They, it, we all use, We all use positioning to give our ego security. You know, mm-hmm, every human it. being is just, we're all animals, man. It's a, you can't get rid of it. You, that's why I said like the move, the ego eradicator, like you can modify the ego. You can not be as identified with it, but if you don't have an ego, guess what? You're going to die. Cause you won't have any instincts to eat or reproduce or yeah. have shelter or anything. I mean, the creator gave us ego for a reason where we get misled is, in thinking that the ego is us, mm-hmm. you know, that's why meditation is so valuable to me because I can actually once, if not twice a day, step away from the idea that my emotions, thoughts, and feelings are who I am without that separation for a few minutes. I will literally be controlled by my ego 24 seven. I'll have no idea that it's taken me hostage. Mm. It's like, I remember years ago I was doing a, a Hatha yoga class and uh, this one I got first graduated from like a shitty hoopty, like a 95 Nissan Maxima Burgundy. I had a little success and then I bought a BMW X5 SUV, you know, and it was like, man, my ego really fed on that. I was like, finally, I've arrived, you Feels know? Good, yeah. I mean, that was a pretty decent upgrade. There was no even middle step. I just went from like total piece of shit and no offense if you're listening and you have a 95 <laughs> Nissan Maxima. <laughs> I love my I'm not, I'm not clowning on you, but you know, it wasn't exactly a P magnet, if you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I get my BMW and then I'm going to this yoga class. And the purpose of me going to yoga is not to find a date, to find a wife, to get laid. I'm going there because I like the vinyasa, right? And one day I saw my mind pulling into the parking lot with my BMW with the sole purpose of the girls in the yoga class seeing me pull in a BMW when it was actually easier to park on the street right through the alley because you don't have to pull in and out. And, you know, there's been thousands and thousands of times where I've, I've witnessed my ego doing some silly stuff like that, but that's not possible unless you meditate to me or unless I meditate and I take time to disassociate my true self or my higher self, my spirit, my soul 
from the mind and from the ego to the point where I can witness myself doing that from above almost, right? Mm. So it's like an out-of-body experience where I have the awareness that my human animal ego is parking my car in a really inconvenient place just to attract a potential mate, yeah. right? Or get some attention or whatever. Meanwhile, the funny thing is, is my higher self is actually at the yoga class for a spiritual motive. Like I'm literally not there to find a date. And the whole time I went to that studio, which was about three years, I never once hit on any of the girls. I didn't talk to them. I didn't even really look at them. I just wanted them to look at me. Mm -hmm. And then I'd be like, I'm too spiritual to hit on you. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. But it was it's one of those times that stuck out to me. It was just like, uh, you know, like, I yeah, I really was. I was like, no, I'm not like here to hit on the girls. I just want them to like want me. It was so funny, but it was a beautiful thing to have because then once I had the awareness, I could park my car on the street or if I felt like pulling the lot, I could pull in the lot. But the motive of pulling in the lot was not to get all the girls who, by the way, I'm sure didn't even notice me in my stupid car anyway. It was all in my mind. It was all self, you know, infatuation and shit. Um, I could park my car wherever I want. So now I can go out, dress super cool and have all this rad rock and roll shit on and it's like i'm doing it for me because it feels good i'm not doing it so that all these imaginary people have imaginary eyes on me and are going to like me or not mm -hmm. and that comes from having that separation between the ego self and the higher self that said of course the ego self bleeds through constantly and motivates me to do all kinds of silly things but unless i stay on top of it it's going to become who i am predominantly i'm going to be motivated throughout my day-to-day -day living to be a fucking egomaniac. Yeah. Whether it's on the inferior, low self-esteem, downtrodden side of ego, or on the superior, you know, um, arrogant side of it. Because right. you're in the ego, you, you can't win. It's like if there's no um, awareness, you're going to be on one side or the other of it. Yeah. Which is a horrible way to live. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what that has to do with mushrooms and no. cannabis. but Somehow. I but think, okay so that leads us back so you're like cool i use cannabis and it enables me to be the witness and see things from a different perspective for that period of time yeah like for that fuck that's a great thing to be able to do yeah yeah something i find and we gotta wrap up here because i got a I got a, a dinner date with my dad and you gotta keep on recording other stuff after this dear god um but one of the big curiosities that I have that I'm curious if you've, I'm, I'm sure you've kind of explored it at least, whether you've actually gotten to the bottom of anything, we'll find out in a moment, but is the, uh, the actual dissolving of the, so say throughout the day we have stress, right? So, uh, you know, we get whatever it may be, you know, we get cut off or we have this insecurity about the girl or we have, you know, our job thing, we got demote, you know, whatever it is. And it's just like that stress goes into our body, right? We hold that stress, you know, and then we have, you mentioned sexual abuse, you know, we have the stress of that and then the environmental thing. And then we have the cultural environmental thing. We have all these stressors that are, you know, our bodies are kind of receiving that and kind of dancing with that have you felt something that I use is like dance, you know, dance is something that I feel and surfing, oof, surfing, big one, you know, is something that I feel really helps legitimately dissolve some of that shit that could accrue in my system. Does that make sense at all? Absolutely. Have you experienced that's anything the whole that's purpose like of transcendental meditation, TM or Vedic meditation, which is very similar that I do is to allow 
those accumulated stresses to off gas. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can put it is the release of those stresses. I remember when I first learned Vedic meditation, which is a 20 minute practice twice a day. It's a mantra meditation. So you silently, very subtly repeat a mantra kind of in the back of your mm-hmm. mind. And it, yep. it sort of distracts the mind so you can dip into a transcendent place. And I started meditating. I thought I was going to get peaceful. I became so irritable for that first year, so fucking angry. And I was like, Mr. Peace, loving Luke, right? Sweet guy. And, you know, like, I mean, I thought I did not experience that kind of stuff. And it all started coming up. And I went to my teacher, Jeff Cober, after a few months. I was like, dude, I don't know what you taught me, but like, this kind of sucks. I'm not feeling good. And the only thing I've changed is I'm doing a little less spiritual reading. I would read from different spiritual books and texts in the morning. And then I sort of like supplanted that with the meditation because it's 20 minutes. You only have so much time in the morning. I said, the only thing I've changed is I did more, I'm doing more meditation and less reading. Why am I just so pissed off all the time? And he's like, dude, the purpose of meditation is to release these subconscious stresses that you've been accumulating your whole life. And when you do it twice a day, you're not only releasing the old ones but you're also processing the stresses as you're saying that are just environmental that are current stresses whether it be from relationships or just living in a city or whatever it is so my number one stress reliever would be a regular meditation practice then there's other ones that are um, more physiological like behind you the infrared sauna i mean you sit in that sauna for 20 minutes 30 minutes at i don't know mine the highest i can get it because i put like a two layers of um, uh, um, drywall on top so the heat doesn't get out. I get it up to 150 Celsius. I don't know what that is, but it's hot as shit to most people. Um, That's the official scientific level is hot as shit. And I'll sit in there for 20, 30 minutes and dude, I could be having an anxiety attack and you sit in there and it forces your body into a parasympathetic state. So that's another one. Um, I have a bio mat, a little crystalline infrared mat that does the same thing as an infrared sauna. It puts you in a parasympathetic, relaxed state. Um, I have the bulletproof sleep induction mat, which is kind of an acupressure little mat that has these spikes on it. You lay on that and it releases endorphins and just calms you down and, and really will actually put you to sleep. I use PEMF technology. I use the Wim Hof breathing techniques. I do all kinds of stuff to alleviate stresses whether they're old or new and then do whatever i can to create a lifestyle that doesn't create more stresses on top of the ones that i already have Mm -hmm. you know so it's like learning how to minimize conflict in my relationships through admitting when i'm wrong and trying to develop some humility and some open-mindedness so that if there is a conflict it can be diffused quickly rather than escalating because my pride gets in and wants to prove that i'm right you know so it's like Applying spiritual principles in my day-to-day life are is a great way to alleviate new stresses developing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But I say meditation is like the number one. I mean, like, but get ready. If you're a new if you're new to meditation, I'd recommend like learning a technique. A lot of people use the app Headspace. They yeah, seem I've to really it. like it. Yep. You know, I maybe would have done that had I not found a great teacher and found something that works for me. Um, so I do Vedic meditation, as I said. But just be prepared when you start meditating. It's not like it's not fucking sitting around singing kumbaya living happily ever after like it will bring <laughs> it'll bring up some shit you know and that's the purpose and you you breathe through it you work through it you pray through it and then um i i find that over time i am actually less stressed 
Cool. And then it becomes situational, you know, enter into a relationship, visit the family, do something new, start a new business, lose a business. There's those big punctuation marks in your evolution or growth and then like have to dig deeper and deeper and then readdress it. I think right now I'm kind of coming out of a pretty tough period and feeling like I'm sort of like mm, resting in a place where I've worked through a lot of ghosts that were in the closet that I didn't know were there. And I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, in the clear, but I feel like I'm coming out of the woods a little bit right now cool. as a result of all those practices. Where do people find you? Where do people learn more about your stuff? Like you, you mentioned when you were on my show a little while ago that uh, your podcast is like the mothership, you know, mm -hmm. that's your, your favorite kid. Yep. And so my podcast, The Lifestylist, uh, is I think the best place to find the bulk of my content where I interview people like you and Dave Asprey and Russell Simmons and Neil Strauss and all sorts of interesting people in health, wellness, uh, spirituality, yoga, biohacking, all that kind of stuff, movement. Um, so that's kind of my just building the ultimate lifestyle um, by interviewing experts. And then I also post a lot of that stuff on YouTube, um, which is whatever search Luke story in there and you find me. And my social media, like we've got going right now, we have Instagram Live and Facebook Live. So my Facebook is at Mr. Luke Story, and my Instagram is just Luke Story. And I would say Instagram is probably my main social media channel because Facebook's too hard to use. I don't. Maybe I'm 46. I can't figure that shit out. It's it's gotten too complex. Instagram's like <laughs> one button, take a picture, post it. You know, it's easy. But I do a lot of stuff on there. But really, my podcast is is the main place. And then my website, where you can find all of that, is LukeStory.com with an ey. LukeStory.com. Cool. Your podcast is one of the very few podcasts that I actually uh, take a gander on from time to time. I um, I mean, I'm, I'm like especially because we have very similar people. You know, so I'll do in like preparation for podcasts that I'll have. Yours is one of the go-tos that I'll have because there's like a pretty fair chance that the person's been on. <laughs> and so appreciate you putting out, man. That's awesome. Sweet. Thank yeah. you so much. And then people can jump over from here. Previously, we recorded for a couple hours in relation to all sorts of stuff. Yeah, dude. So if you if you guys are listening to Aaron's show right now, which obviously you are, <laughs> just in case. if you want to hear more from him, definitely check out the Lifestylist podcast because we're it's going to be a double episode. We went over two hours, so I'm going to make really that. Fun. It'll be released on a Tuesday and then on a Friday. That's kind of the way that I do it. So cool. yeah, that and that was a epic talk slash interview so definitely Sweet. i encourage your people to check that out yeah i had a great time man. Brad, right on let's keep doing it sounds good thanks for Peace having out. me man. Thanks, brother. Ciao. Okay. cheers bam all right i gotta go simply salad my pops okay cool go eat some thank you once again for uh for sigmatic for supporting this podcast and for bringing such a radical product to the world uh i utilize the cordyceps and lion's mane before any workout movement session that i do uh chaga mushrooms every morning as i'm traveling i always bring along some type of mushroom bl blend for immune support and just overall vitality um thank you thank you thank you tim ferris has been loving that sean stevenson i believe from the model health show as well has been getting down on those um so they are spreading like wildfire and i highly recommend you checking them out um jump on to foursigmatic.com align for 10 percent off of your purchase i can't re recommend it more uh foursigmatic.com align f-o-u-r 
S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash align, and you will get 10% off of any purchase from Four Sigmatic. Thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast. If you guys want to show some support, show some love for what we're doing here, um, you can jump on the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. And then from there, a couple things you can do, one of which you could actually donate through Patreon. There's a link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Uh, You can utilize the Amazon affiliate link. Uh, Anytime you or anybody you know buys some crap on Amazon, please and thank you. Bookmark that link. Every time you do it, we get something like 7% of your purchase, and it helps support this show. It is awesome, so great. As well, something you could do that is ultra helpful if you or anybody that you know has ears and likes books, uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash align. And then from there, that is, uh, you get a free audio book from Audible. They have something like, I don't know, a bajillion different titles to choose from. Uh, one that I would recommend that I got from them was Shantaram. I, it's a huge book and, uh, again, all free, no matter what size the book you get. And that got me through, I listened to that as I was traveling through Morocco and uh, just really, really amazing website, uh, amazing service. Couldn't recommend it more. And uh, it kicks us down some scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing. Costs you absolutely nothing. And you get a free audiobook and you support the show. Boom. Um, thanks so much for reviews on iTunes. That's greatly appreciated. And thanks just in general for listening. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for, for spreading the word. All right. I can't express enough how much I appreciate all that. If you guys ever have any questions or comments, you feel free to email me directly at Aaron at aligntherapy.com. And I would love to talk. All right. See you guys. Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.